Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Pat, for having me. I'm really excited uh, to be here. I'm honestly honored to be here. I know the, um, I don't know all of you very well, but I know the heritage and legacy that this house has uh, spawned in Tampa. And I know what the, that it's an epicenter for the tidal wave of the charismatic revival that is coming into the region. So I am honored, sincerely honored to be in this room. Uh, and just to speak to you is, is a high privilege of my heart. So I, uh, I, I'm doing, I, I'll tell you a little bit about myself, but I got to tell you this part first because my process and it, I'm an external processor. So if I don't get it out of my head right now, it's going to bother me all night. But I'm just tickled to death right now about like what's happened already tonight because I didn't know the plan. Literally, I came here and Pat told me yeah. right before we um we started how the night was going to go, and I'm always checking when I go to speak somewhere or whatever. I'm asking the Lord, okay, what do you want to say right now to these people? Like, what do you want to say today? What are you saying? Because I believe we stand on every word God has said, and we step with every word God is saying. I believe we stand on every word He said. Never change that. But we step with every word He's saying. So I want to help you step. I want to, yes, I want to propel right. you forward tonight. So I'm always asking God, what are you, what are you saying to these beautiful people at Oasis tonight, right? So I, I was asking, and I got two things, and I was very confused by them because they were not related, but now they make sense. <laughs> the first was 1 Kings 18. I listened, I read the whole chapter in my audio. I was driving, uh, and I was like, it's about Elijah, and you know, one of the cool stories of Elijah and all this stuff. And then I heard Gideon, and I'm like, what does this yes. have? What does Elijah and Gideon have to do with each other? I'm like, Lord, what is this? And I just sat with it for a minute, and I felt like I felt like I needed to teach on the Gideon thing, and the First Kings 18 thing would figure itself out, and it just did. Trayvon just prayed without saying it. Father, let the spirit of Elijah come, restoring the hearts of the fathers back to their children, and their children to the fathers. So. First Kings 18 taken care of. Done. Now we can move on to Gideon. Thank you, Trayvon. <laughs> Thank you for handling that for me because I didn't know what to do with it. So, <laughs> yay. Uh, so we're going to talk about Gideon tonight. But before I do that, I'll tell you a little bit about me. My name is Caleb. I am 28 years old. Uh, saved when I was 8 years old at a Southern Baptist church. And I love the Baptist. He's baptizing the Baptist one at a time. Yes, he is. Come on, Randy Clark, former Baptist. Brian Simmons, the Passion Translation, former Baptist. Like, God is getting them. He's getting them. I'm, I'm you know. Anyway, so, yeah, I uh, was just a good Southern Baptist boy until I went on a trip to Honduras and saw a bunch of crazy U-type people praying in tongues and worshiping and laying hands on the sick and saying, these signs will follow them that believe they'll lay on the sick and they'll fully recover. I'm like, that's not in my Bible. You're reading some Pentecostal Bible. That's not in the Southern Baptist approved Bible. And then they were quoting the verse. They're saying Mark 16. And I, like, All right. and I looked up the address. Are we switching? Okay. I went home. I went to the hotel. Oh, much better. I went to the hotel and for my voice. It's just my voice. It's particular. <laughs> it's a vocalist. It's a singer's voice. It's strange. Anyway. Um, anyway, I went to the hotel that night and looked up the verse. And I was like, oh, no, it's in there. You know? And then I was like, it's in red. <laughs> so I was like, uh-oh. Not good, you know? Not good at all. Anyway, so I just was like, okay, Lord. 
I don't know everything. I got home, my mother who had been, uh, this isn't what I'm talking about tonight, but you have to know this for me to, for me to even talk to you, okay? Because I was just stuck in cessationistic thinking. I was stuck in, a, in an environment that said God doesn't speak to his people right now. The devil does, but God doesn't speak to people because that would be adding to scripture. Oh, straight up. I mean, they didn't say those words, but that's what was taught. You know, my theology didn't allow for God to speak to me, but for the devil to talk to me all the time. It's like, what? It is sad. I'm not knocking the Baptist. I love the Baptist. God's going to baptize the Baptist. I'll say it a million more times. Because he did baptize me. And straight up, Todd White laid hands at me. I flew through the room, knocked people over like a bowling ball. It was crazy. That's a story for another time. I got home from Honduras. My mother, who had been chronically ill for over 30 years, struck by lightning when she was 18 years old, had chronic migraines, was on 80 milligrams of oxycodone every four hours with a cocktail to go to sleep with Percocet, Dilaudid, and fentanyl just to have a night's sleep. Yeah. They tried everything. They did, went from Botox to cigarettes to cure my mom's headaches. They couldn't. Her nervous system was fried. And I got home from Honduras with all these people praying for the sick. Didn't see any miracles down there, but I got back to my parents' house. And I sat on the couch listening to my mom tell us desperately how they had run out of pills. She had self-medicated, taken too many. And you don't just stop oxy. You die if you do that, <clears throat> especially the highest legal dose. That's what um, that is, 80 milligrams every, every uh, four hours. So... She's sitting there telling me uh, she's desperate and all stuff, and I hear a voice. And you remember, I, we had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible growing up. You know what I'm saying? We didn't. I love the Holy Ghost. I love saying Holy Ghost now, but we didn't have that. So I, I was like, I'm hearing voices. You know, it was crazy. I was like just ignoring it, but I heard a voice say, lay hands on her. And it repeated itself, lay hands on her. And repeated itself again, lay hands on her. And I, res I responded to the voice. I said, no. <laughs> Whoever you are, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like out here. It was in here. You know, it was yeah. inner audible. Yeah, you got it. You get it. You know what I'm talking about. But it wasn't my voice. All right. So I was like, it repeated itself again, lay hands on her. God didn't say a single other thing to me other than lay hands on her. Over and over. I wasn't remembering it. He kept saying it. Wow. Kept saying, like, lay hands on her. No. Lay hands on her. No. Lay hands on her. No. I was having an argument with God. Yeah. Straight up. I even went as far to say, uh, I'm not in Honduras. I, you know, I kind of like got involved with that down there. But, you know, <laughs> check with your secretary. I'm at my parents' house. That, those things don't happen here. I'm not doing that here. <laughs> lay hands on her. No. Lay hands on her. No. That would be weird. They think I'm crazy. <laughs> lay hands on her. No. Straight up, that's how it went. I, I'm just being honest with you. That's how I talked to God about that. And I finally gave up because it was like that annoying little brother. like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. It was like that. Like, lay hands on her. Lay hands on her. Lay hands on her. I figured out God just wasn't going to give up. And I knew it wasn't the devil. And I knew it wasn't me because I didn't want to do it. Why would the devil want me to pray for my mom? I didn't want to do it. So by natural deduction, I was like, I'm losing my mind or this is God. <laughs> And so, <laughs> here's my great prayer of faith. Are you ready? I said, fine, God, it's not going to work, but I will do it anyway. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Hey, he was real shocked by that one. He's like, ooh, 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 big man. That's how I said it. It's not going to work, but I'll do it anyway. I said, Mom, stand up begrudgingly. I was like, stand up, Mom. I want to pray for you. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, stand up, you know. 
And we've been praying for my mom since I came out the womb, you know. Every time we were at church, prayer requests, anyone got prayer? My mom and her headaches, my mom and her headaches. So 23 years of experience was telling me, ain't nothing going to happen when you pray. Wow. 23 years wow. at this point of experience is telling me, nothing happens when you pray. Because I've been praying for 23 years. Wow. All right, my mom's, it's 30-year condition at this point. She was bedridden at certain points. She would, she'd be in the hospital four times a year, kidney failure, doped up all the time. I was embarrassed to have friends over. She'd be like drugged out on the couch, just looking at him, like, yeah. drooling, staring at him. And I'm like apologizing for my mom, you know. <laughs> and I said, Mom, we're going to pray for you. <laughs> and standing there, I got family there. They all just kind of join in. They don't know what's happening. <laughs> and neither do I, really. So I put my hands on her. And I prayed the sassiest prayer known to mankind. <clears throat> it's the sassiest prayer ever. Maybe not, but I'm, I'm taking it with me. I'm taking that to the bank. I said, God, it says in your word that these signs will follow. Then they believe. And I believe. And I've done my good exegetical Southern Baptist reading of that, that scripture in context in two versions. And I knew that Jesus wasn't talking about believing in miracles. He's talking about believing in Jesus. It says, those who do not believe in the Son, the wrath of God remains on them. But those who do, these signs will follow them that believe. It's not about believing for miracles. It's about believing in Jesus and miracles just happen. So I had an understanding even then. Like, I don't believe that this is going to happen. But I believe in Jesus. That's enough. That's enough. Now we could go home right there. That's a good word. <laughs> All right. And so I said, it says in your word, and I, then I said, and I believe. And I, not in the miracle, nope, but in Jesus. And then I said something I never heard enter my ears before or my brain. It came off my tongue and then hit my ears. If, you know what I'm talking about? You say something, it hits your ears. You're like, what? You know, it's like Holy Ghost possesses your tongue, you know. It says that we are a people for God's own possession. I'm possessed by the Holy Ghost. Yes, I am. We're going to talk about Gideon. He was put on like a glove. He was possessed. You need to get possessed by the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I am his possession. Amen. Yeah, that freaks people out. That's okay. Anyway, uh, I said this thing. I said, so I command all pain to go in Jesus' name. A full restoration by the Holy Ghost with authority. I prayed that. I had never heard that. They weren't even praying like that in Honduras. And I'm like, <laughs> shocking myself. And then my mom said, she was, she was silent for a long time. She stops crying. But long story short, she looks at me eventually and says, I don't have any pain in my body. Wow. Whoa. And I said, what do you mean you don't have any pain in your body? What? <laughs> what? Totally shocked. I'm telling you, I had faith in Jesus, but not faith for that. Wow. <laughs> Come on. I'm trying to help you <laughs> with this testimony here. <laughs> and so... I said, what do you mean? She goes, I don't have any pain in my body. I'm like, I didn't want to screw it up. So I'm like, yeah, I pray for the sick. I went to Honduras. I learned how to pray for the sick. Of course you don't have any pain in your body. Yeah. That's what I totally expected that. And I sat down. But on the inside, I'm like, do we wave a flag? Do we blow a shofar? Do I try to speak in Japanese? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like... We just stared at each other. And so for about a year, I waited for the pain to come back. Can I be honest with you? I was just like, thank you, God, for this dispensation of grace. You know, using all my spiritual prayer language, you know. But I was totally expecting her to get sick again. She has not had one 
pill, one prescription, or pain since that moment in September 2012. No prescription. She went to her atheist doctor, told him what happened, and he said, I don't care about any of that. You're telling me you don't want any pills. She's like, yeah, I don't need any pills. And she's like, wait, okay, don't tell me again how it happened, but I need, to, I need you to like sign this paper that says you are refusing treatment. I need you to sign it because he's, he's on the hook already for giving her 80 pills of oxygen every four. You know, he's like, I need you to sign this paper. She signs the paper. He goes, I don't believe in God, but that seems like a miracle to me because you just refused like the most addictive pain pill that I can give you. She signed online. Hasn't had a pain, pill, or prescription since September 2012. She's now a registered nurse, travels all over. The, she does travel nursing, makes like $48 an hour. She's loving life, gets to live her childhood dream of being a nurse. She couldn't drive a car before we did that thing. And now she's, yeah, come on, you can celebrate that. That's so good. Jesus. That's just the story, man. I, I love what Chris Volatin says. He says, a man with an argument has nothing against a man with an experience. So I had a whole bunch of arguments <laughs> that said healing isn't for today. Those who speak in tongues are of the devil. You know, blah, 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 blah. I had a whole bunch of arguments, and then I had an experience. And it launched me into a place called Dependenceville. And that's, I wrote a book. After that, I went into this crazy time. A lot of, long story short, I had one year with no income. I went around the, the world. I went to five countries, got married, was given a car, two cars. Went on two honeymoons. I uh, got, yeah. <laughs> Paid off a credit card bill, all on no income, while working full time. Uh, Tracy was there, Melissa was there. I worked at a church more than 40 hours a week, honestly, and I didn't get paid a dime. They, they gave me gifts every now and then, but I didn't ask for anything, and I had no income out of obedience to the Lord. So that was my welcoming party to a place I called Dependenceville. And this book is all about learning to celebrate your need of God. It's learning how to celebrate that you need God. Not just, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. No, it's like, yay, I need God. And it's chock full of amazing testimonies, tons of miracles, all that stuff, craziness. Um, and it's back there for you if you want it. And we're also recording this. I'm recording this. And if you buy a book, you'll get the audio for free. Uh, we're doing that as a special tonight. Anyway, the reason I do that is not to sell books. It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I, I, am, I cannot talk all night tonight. I have two services to do tomorrow morning and a service tomorrow night. This is, book, or this is service number six out of nine for me this weekend. So I can't be here all night. I'm trying to resource you. You know what I'm saying? I used to have a problem with people selling books and stuff. But it's about equipping. I'm, I can't stay with you and tell you everything that happened to me. I'm equipping you. So anyway, there's that and the audio. This is $12 if you're wondering. And Tracy will help you back there. Raise your hand, Tracy. She's amazing. So is there a person named Cheyenne or Sharon here? On my other part of my process was on the way here, I was like, Lord, who do I always give a book away? And I was like, don't change your name just because I said that. Um, <laughs> you know what? My name is Cheyenne. And I heard the name Cheyenne or Sharon. Cheyenne. Does Cheyenne mean anything to anyone? Cheyenne? Yeah. What does it mean to you? Boom. This is your book. Here you go. Come on, Lori. Are you... No, no, no. Come take this one for free. It's this one. It's this one I need to give out. So this is for Lori and Paul. Bless you guys. That's awesome. Cheyenne. So cool. It's literally called Cheyenne? Yeah, I heard Cheyenne and I was like, no one's going to be named Cheyenne. It's Sharon. I doubted myself. 
Cheyenne. Called the one you live in. <laughs> That's so cool. Come on, God is cool. I'm I'm learning to move in words of knowledge. I'm, I take risks so that I can improve. You know, there's been times where I say, does anyone name blah, blah, blah? And it's like no one. There's like 300 people in the room. It's no one's name. It doesn't mean anything to anyone. And I was like, does anyone want this? I've got it way wrong. And they're like, oh. So I just give it away if I don't hit something. But that was that was God. So cool. Yay, man. So I have to teach you my favorite word. I just did. But uh, yeah, I love, I love joy. I believe the joy of the Lord is actually your strength. I believe it. You know, I know this is a very happy house, so I figured it would go over well. But say yay. Yay. Say amen. Amen. Say yay, man. That's a word I made up that I really like. So <laughs> you can take that with you. It's not irreverent. I just don't believe that our amen should ever be sober. Amen. <laughs> I don't believe your so be it unto me should ever be so be it unto me. No, it should be so be it unto me. Yes. Hey, you know what I mean? So you can say, yeah, man, all the live long day. Yes. Yeah, man? <laughs> all right, let's go to Judges um, chapter 7. We're going to talk about uh, Gideon tonight. And I'm going to give you uh, a couple things, okay? I'm going to give you a, I, I, I kind of have a couple ways about me. I can do the prophetic thing. I can do the teacher thing. I'm going to do a little of both tonight, a little hybrid. Okay. So a lot of a little teaching here for you. Okay. So um, Gideon is actually walking into or standing up in a time of oppression through Midian. You know the story. Midian is oppressing the people. They come and they tear up their crops. They mess with their stuff so they don't have any food. That it, it lays waste to Israel what Midian's doing. They basically just trample over their fields. And they're like, ha-ha, you know what I mean? Like, too bad, we messed with your stuff, we took it, you know what I mean? They consumed it and destroyed it. But Midian, I'm sorry, Gideon has an encounter with the angel of the Lord that changes everything, okay? And I'm just paraphrasing for you so you have the context. But in Judges 6, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath, under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. That's uh, Gideon's dad. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press. Say this with me. Beating out wheat in the wine press. He was beating out wheat in the wine press. Does anyone have like threshing wheat? Threshing, some translations say that. To hide it from the Midianites. And that's when the angel of the Lord comes to him. Now, I want to show you how to beat out wheat in the wine press tonight. I want to show you. I believe I found it. I believe the Lord has shown me a key, what it means to beat out wheat in the wine press. Now, a lot of people talk about that in very certain ways, but I see a prophetic picture. He's beating out wheat in a wine press, people. Yeah. There's wheat and there's wine. There's bread and there's wine. Hello. That is so good. Yeah. Homeboy celebrating communion. Yes. Are you okay? It's right there. A lot of people talk about this, but... What does it mean to beat out wheat in the wine press? It means to be on a good diet of the bread and the wine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to get free from oppression? Eat well and drink more. <laughs> beat out the wheat in the wine press. You need the word and the wine. Come on, there's this, this like estrangement between the two a lot of times. A lot of times, not your church, not you Christians, all the other Christians, yeah. all the other professional Christians, not you, not you, not any of you, all the other ones. 
Like there will be denominations that are all about the word. That's what I grew up in. I grew up in a denomination that all we did was preach the word. They would preach an entire chapter of the Bible every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night, guys. A whole chapter. You understand? Like a whole chapter of the Bible. They would teach it. They would do it exegetically, like boom, 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 line by line. I loved it. I learned it. I have a huge wealth of knowledge because of it. I do. And people are like, oh, how do you know the word? I'm like, uh got saved when I was eight. I was like from the womb to the pew and they taught a chapter of the Bible every time they taught. That's how I know the word. It's not some magical thing. It's like it was beat into me. You know what I mean? It was. And a little bit legalistically too. It was like, uh, you read your Bible today, son? I was like, not yet. They're like, you're going to hell. You need to read your Bible. It was never hell. It was hell. I don't even know where hail is, but I was going there if I didn't read my Bible, okay? You want to go to hail, boy? Read your Bible, straight up. That was said to me as a child. It's crazy. I, it's not theologically accurate, but a whole bunch of people didn't even have the Bible at the beginning of the, the church. I don't know where, anyway. So, yeah, come on. So there's that word heavy, and then there's other places, not you guys, professional Christians over there somewhere else. All they do is drink. And they don't teach the word. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Come on. Forward progress requires present awareness. Yes. Forward progress in life requires knowing where you're at. That's what Stephen yes. was talking about. You got to don't agree with where you're at, but check it. You know, you got to be real about your what concerns you. The Lord will perfect what concerns you. You got to be real about what's concerning you. Present awareness is what's required for forward progress. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. So a lot, of, a lot of churches are like one or the other. It's all wine or it's all word. And I was, you know, I've just taken notice that if these are prophetic pictures, if all you do is eat bread, you're going to be a little bit crabby. You're going to have a little bit of a dry dis, you know, disposition. You're going to have a little bit of indigestion. You're going to be cramping a little bit, maybe walking like this, going, You know, you're going to be a little crabby. Yep. But on the other side, if all you do is drink wine, you ain't going to be able to walk very straight. <laughs> God told me to do go over there. I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm coming. I am coming for it. I am fulfilling my assignments, you know. <laughs> Not, again, this is about the other Christians over there. This is over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you need the bread and the wine you need a healthy diet come on you need to eat and drink you need to eat well and drink more mm -hmm. yeah come on you need both we need the bread and the wine that is, the, that is so true so Gideon is beating out wheat in the wine press Gideon is a he's this is a prophetic picture of being well balanced in the Lord. Come on, you know Ecclesiastes actually says the man of God will avoid all extremes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's in your Bible. It says, do not be overly righteous. <laughs> it's just in there. I'm just I'm not giving you my opinion, I'm quoting it. It says, or do not be overly wicked. I'm like so confused here's here's what i know there's the way yeah come on 
There is a way called the way that is avoiding all extremes, which is balanced. The way is called a Jesus. Are you with me? I am the way, the truth and life. The way. I'm a follower of the way. I don't even like saying I'm a Christian. I like saying I'm a follower of the way to lost people. I follow the way. Say that to the next lost person you talk to. They'll be like, what is that? I'm glad you asked. It's good. I'm going to do it like with a little bit of like crazy eyes, you know, like those crazy eyes. They'll ask you. be like, I follow the way. The way. They, they will ask. Yeah, yeah. They will ask you what that is. And you can say, it's the true light of the world. Uh, like, oh, okay. You know, anyway. So, Midian is beat. I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Gideon is beating out wheat in the wine press. He's exemplifying what it is to be balanced in the midst of opposition, even. And it says, to hide it from the Midianites. He's beating it out to hide it from the Midianites. And do you know what Midianites or Midian means? Midian literally means brawling or strife. You want to be hidden from brawling and strife? You want to be hidden from, it also means contention? You want to be hidden from contention? Beat out the wheat in the wine press. Thresh it. Eat well, drink more. That's how you hide from strife. That's how contention doesn't even come near you. It doesn't even know where to find you. Where are they? I don't know. Where do they go? They're beating out wheat in the wine press. Come on, are you, making, are you connecting here? Yes. That if you eat the word and if you drink the yes. wine of the spirit, you're going to be hidden from contention. Thank you, God. Come on, trouble will not come near you. Fear, you, fear yes. will be far from you, Isaiah yes. says. Come on. Yeah. This is how. I'm trying to help you. How? Yeah. All right. So th- with that, um, as we go, I, I learned a, an amazing tool. I want to give you a tool. I'm all about, I want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what I do. All right. And I'm looking at a bunch of saints. So, <laughs> I, unless I'm wrong, I'm, uh, I so. uh, the idea that you would take a tool and use it, like, really excites me, okay? So, I learned an amazing tool. Has anyone heard the word pardis before? Maybe from me. I know Tracy has. Pardis. P-R-D-S. It's a Hebrew, Hebraic word. Pardis. Anyone? Never heard this. Okay. This is uh, so useful. Yes. All right? Tracy knows it because we teach this in our school. Say P-R-D-S. Pardis. So the Hebraic scholars, the rabbinical scholars, they, the rabbis of back in the Old Testament, you know, like before the Pharisees and even kind of during and all that stuff, the times of the Old Testament, you know, when there was written like scrolls like Isaiah and, you know, the, the Torah and all that stuff, they came up with a way to interpret the word of God. They came up with a way. They said, we need a way to interpret every word that God speaks. We need a filter to understand the word of God. So they literally came up with this word. They said every word that God speaks is pardis, which is the Hebrew word for paradise. Yeah, paradise. You can look this up on Google because you might believe Wikipedia more than me. That's okay. So they came up with this word. If you look it up, you might want to spell P-A-R-D-E-S. But in the original Hebrew, there is no vowel or consonant. Or, uh, um, Punctuation. So without any vowels, it's partis, P-R-D-S. And every letter in Hebrew represents a word. And every word in Hebrew goes to a three-letter root word, which has at least two meanings. So every letter of every word represents a word that has at least two meanings. Wow. 
Uh huh. Oh, it's crazy, yo. And so I actually think that Hebrew is God's version of a practical joke. He says one word, he's like, watch them take 3,000 years to figure that one out. And I, like, one word. <laughs> Him and Gabriel, Michael, they're like, what? Let's, let's pop the popcorn and watch them try to figure that out, you know? So I'm going to teach you. You might want to take notes. I don't know. Also, we're doing a recording. This is a teaching, so you can have it. You can get it afterwards. Anyway, partist, each letter representing a word. The first letter, P, stands for Peshat. Say Peshat. Like you Peshat somebody, right? Peshat. All right, and Peshat is the Hebrew word that means plain and simple. Wow. Plain and simple. And so the rabbinical scholars understood there was a plain and simple meaning to everything God speaks. Everything he speaks is plain and simple. He's going to say something simple to you, like the Son of God or Son of David will be born in Bethlehem. It's the best example. It's going to happen. Plain and simple. It also means a straight road. Homonyms. You know what a homonym is? Yeah, a homonym is like if I say the word see, you could say the letter, the ocean, or that I can see you. Homonym, right? In Hebrew, they're spelt the same. Like we see S-E-E, and there's a C, S-E-A, you get wet in, right? And then there's a letter C. That's not how it works with Hebrew. Spelt exactly the same way. You just got to know which one. <laughs> Context and intent, all of that. You just got to know. So translating the Bible, this is why I read like, I have 34 paper translations at my house. This is why I read multiple translations, because none of them got it right. <laughs> none of them got it right, you know. <laughs> I was just telling you, like, think about the odds of getting it right. It's like, not very good. I don't care how many people you got on that project. You got something in there a little janky, you know. Sorry, jank is a, anyway. All right. <laughs> Saying yo and jank, what the heck? Anyway. Man, anyway, so. There's a plain and simple meaning that's like a straight road to follow, a straight path, the Peshat. Say Peshat. Okay, that's the first level. And unfortunately, a lot of, like where I grew up in, things like that, a lot of word-based people stay in Peshat land. They stay plain and simple. It's what the Bible says. It means it. It's true. Let's go home. <laughs> you know? And so let, there's another three levels of interpretation. Another three levels. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah. I'll just come back next time and tell you. So that's it. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to do this quickly, though, okay? Because I want to talk about Gideon. Because this, I learned this tool, and then this is actually the first place where I used it in this part of the Bible. It's the first place where I actually used the four levels of interpretation. I learned it from Brian Simmons, who's a linguistic doctor, uh, Passion Translation Bible, incredible. He's a, he's a doctor of language, of language. He's a language doctor. You know what I mean? So... I figured, you know, yeah, he's a doctor. Better pay attention. So uh, Peshat is the plain and simple or the straight road. All right. And that's where we need to say all of our doctrinal truth needs to come from the Peshat. Jesus is God. That means Jesus is God. Yeah. Right? right? Jesus is both fully God, fully man. That's plain and simple truth. We never need to leave the straight road. Straight road needs to continue. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. So the second letter is the Ramesh. Say Ramesh. It's R-E-M-E-Z or R-E-M-E-S-H. Ramesh literally is the Hebrew word for hint. Hint. I'm not going to go through every homonym for you, but that's the word for hints because there's multiple meanings. But it literally means to hint. So when God speaks, there's a plain and simple meaning to it, and there's a hint in every single word God speaks. This is taking you a little deeper now. The son of David will be born in Bethlehem. If you're a Hebraic speaker, you would know that Beit Lachem means house of bread. 
The son of David will be born in the house of bread. It also means house of the warrior and house of meat, homonyms. House of the warrior, hello? Victoria's one, house of meat, the lamb that was slain. Yeah. Yeah. The son of David will be born in Beit Lachem, the house of bread. There's a hint there. Huh. Huh. And then the D, the, dir, the Darash. Say Darash. That is the word that means to cut through or to make a road, to break down a barrier or to dig. That's the simplest way to say it. Darash means to dig. Okay? That's the digging, um, digging up new truths. That's the going from, all right, there's a hint now. Now I'm going to dig out. What could that mean? I'm going to do cross-referencing. I'm going to do like that. Midrastic teaching is where we say, um, you wouldn't know it as midrastic, but whenever someone takes, how do we apply the scripture to our life? That's darash. That's digging a little deeper and how you apply it to your life. Amen? Are you okay? So we got the Peshat, plain and simple. We got the Ramesh, which is a hint. And we got the Darash, which means to dig, digging deeper. All right, so the hints invite you into a deeper thing, which is the final letter S, which stands for Sod. Say Sod. Sod is the Hebrew word that means mystery. This is the direct line of communication where God reveals a mystery to you. This is the revelation zone. Unfortunately, we don't ever really, well, some, a lot of people don't get there because they're not willing to look at the hints and dig a little bit and hear from God for themselves. This is where the rhema word of God yes. breathes on the written word of God. Yes. Sod. Jesus always taught on the sod level. Yes. He said stuff that didn't make sense, like, I am the bread of life. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of when you yep. said. The I am the bread of life. Yeah. Right? Anyone who eats of me will never die. Well, that makes sense if you know that he'd be born in the house of bread. The son of David will be born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Hint, I am the bread of life. He just didn't give them all the backstory. (laughs) He just told the sod. So that's why a lot of times there was just a lot of confusion with Jesus teaching. He only spoke in what? Parables to the masses, right? So this is the sod. This is the parable. So actually my goal tonight is not to feed you. It's to get you hungrier so that when you leave... You go rely more on what you're eating alone with God than you do tonight with me. My job is not to feed you. It's to make you hungry. Right? So I want to speak some sod tonight that will get you hungry. I also want to teach you that tool. Okay? So if you jump over to uh, Judges 7, verse 9, this is where the first time I ever used this, um, Judges 7, verse 9. This is where I use this tool. And I'm going to show you how cool it is to have this tool on your side and and use it. You can dig out a lot more. Your favorite Bible verses are about to get a lot more interesting. <laughs> because you're going to use... Yeah, you want to switch back? But you're going to use this tool. We're just flipping microphones back and forth. Okay, can you turn this one up a little bit just so I don't have to shout? Oh, you're good. You're good. Okay. So um, we're going to use this tool. I'm going, to, I'm going to walk you through the process I had so that you can see this. So let's just read. Well, so you understand. You need to understand that after the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, he has that encounter, and he says, mighty man of valor, right? He calls him that, and he's like, what the heck, you know? If God is with us, oh, we're going back to this. I get it. All right. Oh, yeah. Man, I love it. So, a mighty man of valor, all that stuff, and then he's like, where are you? If, if, if you're with us, the Lord is with us, then why is all this horrible stuff happening? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. We're under oppression, all this stuff. And then he says, you will strike Midian as one man, Right? So there's some sod for you. Yeah, the angel of the Lord said to him something very confusing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So 
that happens, and then he actually goes, Gideon gets this conviction and destroys the, the altar of Baal. He destroys it with the Asherah pole. He just tears it up, right? And then they come to, to Joash, Gideon's dad, and say, let us have Gideon. We're, we're going to kill him for what he did. And he's like, lay a hand on him, and you're going to die, basically, is what Joash says. And then he says this very interesting point. He's like, if Baal is so upset, Baal can handle his bitterness, right? <laughs> Baal can handle his own bitterness. He, if he's a real God, let him avenge himself. Yes. And so the enemy, Gideon's enemy, this is very important, started calling him Jerubbaal from then on. They didn't call him Gideon. They called him Jerubbaal, which is Baal will contend with you. As in Baal's going to get you. That's what he was called from that day on. He was called, Baal's going to take you down. That's the literal translation. Baal's going to contend with you. Baal is going to be your doom. Baal's going to take you down. All right? So, again, I'm trying to give you some context. Then Gideon goes through, rallies all the men, you know, and it goes from the thousands to the 300, right? <clears throat> you familiar yeah. with the story? Yeah. All right. Saving us a lot of time that I don't have to read this. You've read your Bibles. Hallelujah. So, um, and then it, when it, you know, he gets the 300, all that stuff, and then they are at the, and the camp of Midian was below them in the valley. They're right there. It's like battle time, right? Yep. And here we are, Judges 7, verse 9. Now that we have context, because context is not king, because Jesus is king, but it's really important. Yes. Uh, context isn't king. Jesus is king. He can say things to you out of context. Yes, yes he can. And he's still king. All right. Yeah, okay. That's some sod for you to chew on later. That same night, verse 9, the Lord said to him, Gideon, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men, because he was obviously scared. He took Pura, Pura, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Cellulites and the, all the ites. <laughs> all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number, as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. He said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed a dream of days gone by. Yeah, that makes me think of that song. You know, Les Miserables. I don't know. Okay. I make weird connections in my head. It's a miserable situation that's called Les Miserables. That's a song from Les Miserables. I don't know. <laughs> I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread, say barley bread, barley tumbled bread. into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell, say it fell, and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon. That bread you saw is the sword of Gideon. What? The son of Joash, a man of Israel, God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. You saw a tumbleweed, tumbleweed hit a tent. Now I know Gideon's got a sword and we're screwed. What? What is going on here? I know. Super prophetic. This is the way the prophetic works. So I read that and something, when I started learning this tool, something drew me to this passage. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it that um, God literally said, go down listen to the dream, guy had a dream, and then they were all turned, you know the story, they turned on each other and defeated one another with the jars and the candles and the, the trumpets, right, the shofars and all that stuff, which is the craziest battle plan ever, right? <laughs> I got an idea, guys. It's only 300 of us. 
Let's take some candles and some trumpets. Stand on the stage up there and make a bunch of noise. That'll do it. They'll die. That will kill them. Yeah, crazy. So let me just take you through this process. I read this a bunch of times because I okay, I see the plain and simple. Do you see the plain and simple? God told him to do something. He did. He heard this. He, they had a dream. Those are the plain and simple facts. Let's go deeper, shall we? Where are the hints? I started seeing, wow, God repeated himself a lot. Arise, go down, against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you're afraid to, go down, go down. And then later it says, your hands will be strengthened to go down. So I'm like, go down, go down, go down, go down. Go down, go down, go down, go down. And I was just like, uh, if God's repeating himself, it's probably important. <laughs> Hint. He's got a vast vocabulary, all right? He is the word, after all. <laughs> he doesn't have to say the same thing over and over again. Yes. <laughs> Boom. Go down, go down, go down, go down. I'm like, that's a hint. Does that sound like a hint to you? So I was like, okay, go down, go down. So I'm like, what does that mean? I just start, I took that hint and started digging. And I started digging around here and I started looking up with BibleHub.com is a great resource to look at the definitions of words. I started looking at definitions of all these words. I'm digging, I'm digging. I don't even know what I'm looking for. I'm just derashing. I'm digging. And I find Gideon and I look up Gideon's name. And you know what it means? It means to fell a tree or to make it go down. I was like, what? I think I'm onto something, you know, like I've dug and hit something, clink, I found something, you know what I mean? Like, it means to go down. He was, he's a feller, he's a fella. It means to fell a tree, he's the feller. To go down. And then I was like, oh, what does pura mean? I look at pura, pura means a fruitful branch. If you're afraid, go with the fruitful branch to the camp. I'm mm. the vine, you are the branch. So I'm making connections here. I'm like, okay, his name means go down. That's crazy. What does this mean? You know, and he says it four times. He goes down. So God says, go down, go down, go down, go down. And he does it. And then he hears about this dream. So the, the key is unlocked there. I'm like, okay, this is the key. This is the key, the go down. What does this mean? This is the key. And here's what it is. Are you ready for the sod moment I had? This is the sod moment I had. When God gives you a task, he doesn't tell you what to do. He tells you who you are. That's When God gives you a task, he doesn't tell you what to do. He doesn't give you A, B, C, D. Here's all the steps. When God gives you a task, he doesn't tell you what to do. He tells you who you are. Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. Gideon, go down, go down, go down. You're the one that fells trees. You're the one that knocks crap over, bro. I've given them, in, and then it says, I've given them into your hand. There's, you take a hand to an axe and bang, and you chop that thing down. Right at the root. Oh, and if you're scared, take the fruitful branch. And I think that he took the fruitful branch to compare it to the dead branch of Midian. I think he needed comparison. Here's a fruitful branch. Here's a dead branch. Which one do I hit? Is this a useful tool? (laughs) And then a cake of barley bread? Hello? I'm like, a cake of barley bread? Barley bread, bread, bread of life. God, Jesus, the word. 
That was the word of the Lord yes. that tumbled into the tent, yes. into the camp. Yes. How do I know that? Because it says, this is no other than the sword of Gideon. What is Gideon's sword? The word. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The reason Midian was defeated was because God didn't tell Gideon what to do. He told him who he was. That's where the defeat happened. You need to catch this. God doesn't tell you what to do. He tells you who you are. And that's when the enemy gets defeated. All you have to do is hear your name being called. All you have to do is know your identity in him. That's where the defeat of the enemy happens. That's where you're free from oppression. Now, here's the real. Are you ready? This was because Gideon was in an identity crisis. Do you remember what they called him? That's right. That's right. Jerubbaal. Baal's going to contend with you. He's hearing that all the time. Your name is a prophetic utterance of your call. You know that? When someone says your name, they are prophesying over you. They are prophesying over you. You, husbands and wives, here's a tip. Are you ready? Are you ready for an amazing marriage? I've only been married three years, almost three years, two and a half. I'm telling you, this is a prophetic utterance right here. You say each other's names. Don't say, hey, babe, honey. That's great. That's cool. Say, hi, Jamadis. Hey, Jamadis. I say my wife's name all the time because it means Jamadis. That means God will heal the bitter sea of sorrow. That's what her name means. So I say, hello, healer of the bitter sea of sorrow. Hello, healer of the bitter sea. Jamadis, Jamadis, Jamadis. Husbands and wives don't use each other's name very often unless they're talking to other people. Yeah. Talk to each other. Say it. Say it over one. Say your spouse's name. Say their name. It might feel weird at first. People like, like instead of, hey, babe, say, hey, Jamadis. Like, she says, hey, Caleb. You know, does that sound like strange to do to call each other by your name? Yeah, it does, right? But your name is so important. It's a prophetic utterance. My name, Caleb, means bold, leader, brave, or dog, whichever one you want. Uh, uh. <laughs> but I actually like the dog part because I, I dug a lot of, I did a lot of digging with that and it actually means <laughs> you're welcome so, <laughs> that was so good comedic timing at its finest I was like don't screw it up don't screw it up <laughs> anyway, my head. anyway no it literally means a, like a pit bull a dog with a bone who won't let go that is my name as Mar Marcus yes. is my middle name. It means warlike or hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Bold leader, dog with a bone, warlike hammer. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. That is my name, Caleb Marcus. That's who I am. And every time you say my name, you're saying, hello, bold leader. Hello, brave heart. Literally, one definition says brave heart. I actually, it's funny, because before I knew that, I thought William Wallace was like my spirit man on display, you know? <laughs> No, like the scene where he's got the war paint and the blood on his face. I'm like, that's my spirit man right there. People got spirit animals. I'm like, that's my spirit man. That's what I look like in the spirit. I'm this huge William Wallace with a big sword saying, freedom! That's what I am in the spirit. I am. I'm only 115 pounds soaking wet in the natural. But in the spirit, I got a real big sword. Anyway, that's my name. It's prophesied over me. And this is what God was doing with Gideon. Was saying who he was. Correcting his identity. And then guess what happened? As soon as his identity crisis was over, he knew what to do. If you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Any confusion about your call is because you don't have a clear view of your identity. Any confusion about your call is due to a lack of clarity around your identity. 
Absolutely. You're one with God right now, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, Galatians 2, 20. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are set free from sin, Romans 6. This we know, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. The entity of sin, by the way. Sin is used as a noun 16 out of the 17 times in Romans 6 alone. A noun, a person, place, or thing. Come on, sin is not just something you do. It's an entity that wants to control you. It's a person, place, or thing. I'm just reading it in context. It says, sin will have no more dominion over you. That's not an action word. That's a noun. That means the entity called sin, the place called sin, the person, place, the thing called sin will not dominate you anymore. You're set free from sin right now. Yes. I love Adam Clark. He's a theologian um, from the Methodist Church. He's amazing. Uh, no longer living, but he wrote, I'm going to paraphrase what he wrote because it's in Old English and it's hard to quote. But he basically said, if you're waiting till death to be free from sin, you've crowned death your Savior and not Jesus. If you're waiting till death to be free from sin, you've crowned death your Savior and not Jesus. I don't know about you, but Jesus is my Savior. And he saved me through and through. I have been sanctified, Hebrews 10.10. Do I act like that all the time? No. But do my actions dictate my identity or does the word of God dictate my identity? Gideon acted and destroyed the altar of Baal and received a name. His actions paved the way for who he could be called. And God came in and said, that's not who you are. You're the fella. You're my feller. You're going to go down, go down, go down, go down. It's about who you are. An oak of righteousness firmly planted in the Lord. A fruitful branch. When God gives you a task, He doesn't necessarily tell you what to do. He tells you who you are. He tells you who you are. And that's what was happening with Gideon. Amen? Amen. So tonight, I pray that you would, by the Spirit, hear your name. I pray that you would hear God booming from the heavens saying who you are. Because the only, he's not even firstly concerned with your behavior. He's concerned with your belief. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. God's first concern is not your behavior, which might be screwed up. He's firstly concerned with your belief. Who you believe you are, and more importantly, who you believe he believes you are. Steve Backlund is an amazing yes. writer, yes. speaker, incredible, and he has one of the best quotes about identity I've ever heard. I run with Georgie and Winnie Banoff. They're, those are my spiritual parents. Yeah. They, I texted Georgie today because I was with Patricia King. This is, uh, yeah, six out of nine, I think. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm feeling okay. I actually felt really foggy and tired until I took communion. And it was like I had an oh, energy shot. I was like, <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> brain on, like activate. It was crazy. So I call that a healing. Yes. I was like foggy. I'm like, Lord, help me. And then I bang, whoosh. Ah, there it is. So yeah, I wasn't even expecting That's it. Good. But so I run with some amazing identity champions and Steve Backlund has the best identity yes. statement ever. Are you ready for it? Yep. Write this down. You get saved by believing in Jesus, but you get free by believing like Jesus. 
You get saved by believing in Jesus, but you get free by believing like Jesus. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what the Father does. I only say what the Father says. That's how you get free. You start believing that you are destined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Romans 8, 29. You start believing that you're a partaker of the divine nature. You start believing that you've been born of incorruptible seed. 1 Peter 1, 23. You start believing that stuff. <laughs> you're going to behave different. Am I saying a Christian can't sin? Have you met any? <laughs> that would be the dumbest thing to say. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's so unlike you. Mm-hmm. I'm I hope you hear your name by the Spirit as I'm speaking. It is so unlike you to sin. It is not your nature. Is it in Jesus' nature? Are you a co-heir with him? Does that mean you inherit what he has? And do you inherit anything he doesn't have? Does he have a sin nature? Is there any darkness in him? Where are you? You must be the light of the world. But you could believe differently and act according to how you believe. But your actions don't dictate your identity. The word of God over your life dictates your identity. Gideon didn't let his actions dictate who he was. He might have for a little while until God said, Go down, mighty man of valor. Go down. Go down. You're my fella. Let him have it. Let him have it. Come on. Come on. You get saved by believing in Jesus. You get free by believing like Jesus. 1 John 4, 17, I believe. Yep, that's the address. Says something really great. <laughs> it just left. No, I got it. This is how love is perfected within us, that on the day of judgment we may have confidence because as he is, so also are we in this world, y'all. That's John the Revelator. He knows what Jesus is like. Saw him in the third heaven. As he is, so also are we in this world. That's 1 John 4, 17. You get saved by believing in Jesus. You get free by believing like Jesus. Stop calling yourself a dirty, wretched sinner. Start calling yourself one with God and very good. Patricia King at this conference we were just at. It was a women's conference. It was amazing. She had all of them like almost chant a statement that we should end with now, I feel like. I feel like we should end with this. Because when you came into Jesus, you were restored back to your garden identity, right? Like Adam in the garden. Adam and Eve in the garden. Perfect, without flaw. You were restored. It already happened. I know you might have been taught the other thing, that you will be saved or you will be sanctified in heaven, but the Bible says the opposite. And if the Word says the opposite, that might be an anti- teaching it might be an anti-word teaching it might be an anti-fill-in-the-blank teaching mm. not trying to hurt your feelings just getting serious about what the word says hebrews 10 10 says we have been sanctified first corinthians 6 says you were justified you were sanctified past tense what is what is the use of sanctification in heaven anyway do you know what sanctification means <laughs> set apart from what Everything's holy up here. What am I set apart from? Sanctification is for today, people. You're supposed to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. You're supposed to be holy as he is holy. It's actually achievable. I'm sorry. I apologize for all the people who have told you opposite. 
No, I'm apologizing on their behalf. That is out there. I'm not making it up. I was taught I would sin nine times before 9 a.m. every Monday morning. That, those statements were said to me growing up. And guess what? I believed it. And guess what I did? I sinned about 19 times before 9 a.m. every Monday morning. <laughs> because as a man believes in his heart, so is he. Your belief is what God's most concerned about. And that's why he's speaking your name over you. You're one with God. So let's say this. Let's declare this. And then I'm going to give it to uh, Pat here. All right. This is from Patricia King. This isn't mine, but I just thought it was a beautiful declaration. Because in the garden, Adam and Eve were godlike. And God said, it is very good. Right? When God made them. They're very good. Right? Yes. So we're going to say, I am godlike and very good. Yes. Because it's the truth. Not because you, may, you might not be living that way, but you're about to hear your name in the Spirit. Amen. You're about to hear who you are coming out yes. your mouth. Yes. And faith comes by hearing. Yes. And hearing by the Word of God, meaning yes. not just what you hear. Anything you hear doesn't give you faith. When you speak the Word, it gives you faith. Yes. You receive faith. You multiply in faith. You grow in faith. All right? Come on. So let's say it like we drank a Red Bull. How about it? All right? <laughs> I am godlike and very good. I am godlike and very good. I am godlike and very good. I am godlike and very, very good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for letting me come. Thank you.